This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Set me free of the chains holding me. Is anybody out there hearing me? Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, Proclaim liberty to captives and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. Good to have you along. Coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona, Valley of the Sun, and I want to start out today with some announcements of some events we have coming up. On April 24th, uh, so coming up just in a few weeks, <clears throat> we're holding a From Porn to Grace conference in Porterville, California. That's a little north of Bakersfield. It's going to be held at the Porterville Adventist Church on Saturday, April 24th. It'll go from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m., and these conferences that we do uh, are for men and women, and for anyone from youth all the way into their 70s, and anyone who wants to dig into what the whole recovery and healing process is about for those who struggle with porn addiction or adultery or want to heal from it. And, and it's not just three hours of me speaking because you'll forget 95% of what I say 10 minutes after you walk out the door. But there's also times we break up. I'll break you up into small groups of two or three and have people sharing with each other and praying for each other. And so it's really a powerful time. We've done these conferences. We've been doing these conferences for several years in the U.S. and in Europe. And uh, it's always a blessing to those who show up and and uh, so I really hope you can make it. We're also talking to other people about conferences in other areas. Um, and we're always open to doing a conference outside the U.S. So this is not just an American thing only. And then in May, around May 20th, we have our WISE retreat. And that will be held in Beulah, Colorado. It's in a beautiful place, about an hour and a half southwest of Colorado Springs and uh, it, it's a small retreat, meaning we don't do more than seven or eight women, and but it's very powerful. And ladies, we equip you on what it looks like to deal with triggers. It's a time of healing, a time of rest, a time of sharing with other women, other wives who are going through what you've been going through with uh, the pain and trauma of your husband's porn and sex addiction. So I want to encourage you to, if you're a, if you're a wife listening to this, consider coming to that. And you can go to the website for more details at blazinggrace.org. And then every Wednesday now, we've begun a Zoom prayer meeting because right now where we are, prayer is so powerful and so much needed. Um, so we built an online prayer community. I'm calling it the Rogue Church. And so every Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Central Time, U.S. Central Time, 
it goes for one hour and then people show up and we pray for each other and pray for our countries. And we've been having people from all over participate, not just the U.S., but we've got people from Canada and the U.K. and Germany and other countries show up. So it's And also in Africa, too. So it's really what I hoped is it would be an international prayer community. So if, if you're hungry for being around a group of believers or a community of believers who have a heart for prayer, then, then that's for you too. So today, I'm going to get into how we can help the sexually broken. So if somebody comes to you and they're torn up, either a man or a wife, and they want help, um, you know, what do we do and how do we approach them? And so I'm going to preface this by sharing a six-minute audio clip that gives you an example of what not to do. And in this clip, it's around 15 years ago, Bob Newhart is a counselor, and so I'm going to go ahead and roll that clip now. Uh, Dr. Switzer? Uh, yes, C- come in. I'm just, just washing my hands. Uh, I'm Catherine Bigman. Janet Carlisle referred me. Oh, yes. Still uh, being uh, buried alive in a box. Yes. Yes, that's me. <laughs> Should I lay down? Oh, no, no, no. We don't, we don't do that anymore. Just, just have a seat. And uh, let, let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I, um, I charge $5 for the, for the first five minutes. And, and then absolutely nothing after that. How, how, how does that sound? <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can I can almost guarantee you that that our session won't last the full uh, the full five minutes. Now, um, <laughs> we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in in cash or by check. <clears throat> wow. Okay. And uh, and I I don't make change. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and go. <laughs> go. Well, tell what? me, tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive, and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever ever tried to to bury you alive in a box? No. No, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes. Yes, that's it. All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm... Uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can, uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, here, here they are. Stop it! Stop it? Yes, S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. 
I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, you, you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds, sounds frightening. Yes. Then stop it. I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, childhood. No, no, no. We, we, we don't go there. Just, just stop it. So I should just stop being afraid of being buried alive in a box. You got it. Good go. Well, it's only been... It's only been three minutes, so that will be um, uh, three dollars. Well, I, I only have a five, so... Well, I, I, don't, I don't make change. Then I, I guess I'll take the full five minutes. Fine. All right. Well, what other uh, problems would you, would you like to address? <clears throat> uh, I'm bulimic. I stick my fingers down my throat. Stop it! Not of some kind? Don't, don't do that. But I, I'm compelled to. My mom used to call me... No, 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 no. No, we, we don't go there. But I've been having this dream. No, we don't go there either. But my horoscope did say... We definitely don't go there. Just, <laughs> just stop it. What, what, what else? Well, I have self-destructive relationships with men. Stop it! <laughs> you you want to be with a man, don't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, yes. Well, then stop it. <laughs> don't be such a big baby. I wash my hands a lot. That's all right. It is? I, I wash my hands all the time. There's a lot of germs out there. Uh-huh. Yeah, don't, don't, uh, don't worry about that one. I'm afraid to drive. Well, stop it! How are you going to get around? Get in the car and drive, you you kook! Stop it! You stop it! You stop it! What's what's the problem, Kathy? I don't like this. I don't like this therapy at all. You're just telling me to stop it. And and you and you don't you don't like that. No, I don't. So you think we're we're moving too fast, is that it? Yes. Yes, I do. All right, then let me uh, let me uh, give you 10 words that I I think will uh, clear everything up for you. Uh, you want you want to get a pad and a pencil for this one? All right. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right, here are the 10 words. Stop it or I'll bury you alive in a box. So that is a rather uh, humorous example of, um, unfortunately, what we see and what we hear a lot in churches. What I mean by that is people who come to us for help and they've gone to a church or a counselor and and they pretty much get that same treatment um, where they're just told to stop it and this is what the Bible says and and then um, if you can't stop it, then, well, maybe, you know, you're an unbeliever, maybe you're a backslider, maybe you're, you know, <clears throat> you got a big sin problem. And and I would not be bringing this up if this was not happening 
often. This is not something we hear maybe once every six months, every year. It's we hear a constant flow of of these words that people have come to us for help. They've been wounded and injured when they try to share their porn addiction or whatever their problem is to their church, pastor, counselor, and they were just told to stop it or shove it under the rug. And what, when that happens in the context of trying to overcome sin, it can be it's very damaging because then you force the person into a shell and deeper into isolation and shame. And I've experienced this firsthand back in the early 90s when I first started trying to break free or look at trying to figure out what breaking free from porn was because nobody was really offering much in the way of help for that. I went to a marriage conference, and then during a break, I approached the guy who was the pastor who was leading it. And as I approached him, he's got this big beaming smile on his face and and I've been binging on porn every day, so I was just soaked in shame and embarrassment and had never told anyone. And I walk up to him, and and I tell him, and I mumble the words, I got this problem with pornography, and all of a sudden the smile vanishes, and he yells at me, just stop doing it, just stop. So that skit is a perfect fit for exactly what is happening, unfortunately, in a lot of churches and it's very damaging and it's not only to those who are struggling with porn or any type of sin but it's also for example for wives so who are whose husbands are ensnared in this stuff and so one wife told me a story where she went to a church for help and they just told her all you need to do is forgive your husband and get over it and move on which basically what they were telling her is your heart does not matter the wound does not matter. All we want to do is just give you two or three words and a Bible verse, and, and you need to leave. And she told me that she even got um, yelled at, was her words, by the woman's ministry leader. And when this lady is sharing her, her story with me, I just sat there and listened. That's all I did. And she just broke down sobbing, and I watched her. And this happened 20 years ago. Um, that she went to the one church, and she just broke down sobbing in front of me, and she poured out 20 years worth of pain that she had kept compressed in her heart because basically the answer she got from a Christian was you just need to shove your feelings down your throat and deal with the fact and submit to your husband. So these things get me passionate and worked up because there is a very thick vein of spiritual abuse that runs from the church. And the root of this is pride and arrogance because how dare you come to me in my church that does has the right theology and doctrine and I'll look at all that we're doing that's right and yet you've got this problem and I don't want to deal with that and I don't really know what I'm talking about or how to help you, so I'm just going to tell you a Bible verse and tell you to shut it down. So... If stop it was the answer, we would not need the Holy Spirit. We would not need the cross. We would not need prayer. What did Jesus do right before Gethsemane? Or not right before, right during Gethsemane, he told the apostles, get on your knees and pray because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So that the battle with the flesh is is brutal and miserable, plus you've got the spiritual battle as well. So 
and then you've got the heart wounds and all that goes along with that. And some churches make a big mistake when they say, well, we don't go there with the whole family of origin thing, to which I say, oh, really? Why did God give us a glimpse into Jacob's family and to the destructive force it had into Joseph's brothers when Jacob favored Joseph over them? And so Reuben had sex with his father's concubine. Judah was having sex with prostitutes. So right there, we were just given those two stories of two men who dealt with, at some level, a family father wound by um, turning to sexual immorality. And so you do have to go there if you want to help people. You have to look at the wounds and the lies and all that's going, going on with them. So what I want to give you now is what you can do if somebody comes to you and who is torn up in shame, and this could be a man or a wife. It's not just it's one side. It's not one side or the other. And this applies to everything and any sin somebody comes to you with. And so the first rule is just to listen. In James one, we told let everybody be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And you can make a big difference in people's life if you would just stop talking and listen and let them pour their heart out. Even if they're saying angry words or they're cussing, you know, let them vent. You know, don't interrupt them and try and correct them or correct their language or correct their theology. theology. They're talking from a wounded, shamed, fearful, or wherever they are at heart. Let them vent. And give them that safe space. When I we do two day intensives, and here in Arizona, and the first day, what I tell them is, I just want you to cher- tell me your whole story, and take your time. There's no rush, and usually they take anywhere from forty five minutes to th- to three hours to share their entire story. And many, in many cases, they tell me this is the first time I've ever shared my whole story with anyone ever. And sometimes they're looking at me as they're sharing all this stuff and some bloody things that, you know, they've done that they're ashamed of. And they're looking at me, and I can tell by the look in their eye what they're really saying is, are you going to judge me? Are you a safe person? Is this a safe place? And so I, I just listen. Maybe I'll ask a question every once in a while, but um, most of it's just 95% of me listening to them and showing them that I'm attracting and that I care about them and not trying to fix them. And that in itself can be so healing. I talked about the wives retreat earlier and the first thing we do, first night, the wives retreat, all the women share their story and and um, and I and there's a lot of crying and but there's also um, uh, peace afterward, and and we and I hear the same thing repeatedly. This is the first place that I've had to share that's safe, where I could share my story, and just sharing their story is just incredibly healing to them. Sometimes we get wrapped up with this idea that you've got to have all the answers, and um, no, you don't. And sometimes when you try to force the answers, you just make it worse. Listening to another person can be a gift to them. And and these people that we're talking to, often they try to go to a church or somewhere for help. 
they got cut off or ostracized or given trite answers or, well, you're in sin. And and uh, if they just listened, it would make a big difference. And then remember Job's three friends. After Job had lost everything, he lost family members, he then wiped out, lost his business, he had his health, um, he was in severe pain from the sores on him. And the first, I think it was the first week, his, his three friends sat with him and didn't say a single word. If they would have just done that, they would have helped him. But instead, they open their big mouths and they get in a theological debate and they br- basically add more sorrow to his pain. At the end of the book, God um, convicts Job's three friends for opening their mouths in areas they didn't, they didn't know what they were talking about. So another thing is um, ask questions. So when somebody's sharing with you uh, and you're listening to them and they're done, give them the free space to share it all. Ask them questions. Don't go into preaching mode. Can you tell me more about um, why this hurts you so much? Where is your husband today? Uh, How long have you been acting out? What did your parents say to you when they discovered this? When you ask somebody questions, you show them that you're listening and that you care and that you're focused. I mean, this, it's not about you. And this is one of the big problems with people who are trying to help others is there's too much of them involved. You, you don't want this to make this about you if you're helping somebody. It's about the person who's come to you. So take your f- focus off of yourself and the what, what you're, the way you perceive their life should be or how it should go or what their answers might be and focus on getting to know them. Focus on having them share their heart with you and focus on you being a safe person. Um, Oftentimes, not often, but some people what they do is they, they pull the Bible out and they start shooting verses and they haven't taken the time to get to know the other person. So before you go there with giving out advice, take the time to earn their trust by having at least some form of a relationship. And you can do this quickly just by doing what I said, by listening and showing that you care and at some level empathizing. Now, if somebody says, you know what, I love pornography and I love doing it every day, okay, (laughs) now it's time for some confrontation, but 95% of the time uh, people are coming to us, that is not needed. They're already torn up ripped apart in shame and fear and doubt and and all the other things they're going through. And so just let them share with you. And then as you take the time um, to get to know them and, and look for their heart. Um, so the way this works with helping people is we don't apply the truth until we've taken the time to get to know them, to get to them to share their heart and look for their heart when they're speaking. Look for lies that they might have bought into about themselves. And so what I do when I'm working with people is I'll, um, after a while and they've shared their story, I'll start uh, moving into what do you really believe? Not just not what you know. What do you really believe? Because once I can get to the lies that have hidden themselves in their heart, um, then I can move them toward healing because that's where you take them into the truth. And that's when we apply the truth, after we've taken time to know them, after we've listened to them, after we've asked them questions. And so the truth comes 
often later on in the process, once once we've um, established some kind of relationship with them. So if somebody comes to you, you can do a lot of good just by listening. You don't got to have the answers. In fact, there's times I'm talking to people when I'm asked at the same time simultaneously, I'm praying and saying, okay, God, I need wisdom with this. I don't rely on myself necessarily for everything. I rely on him for wisdom and discernment. So you let him speak through you and don't make this about you or your agenda or you fixing someone. That's all about pride. And if if we go this way, we can be a church of people who minister to the broken and open doors for healing. So thanks for joining me today and we'll see you next week. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.